Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today. We dive right back into Fantasy Baseball. I know you guys are starting to prepare for your draft a little bit early for most of you. I get it. Maybe 10% of you are playing Fantasy Baseball at the moment. But we will cater to those 10% of the people who are playing as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. It's hour number two. We got full-time fantasy coming up in an hour. The latest in football, the NFL, maybe some baseball as well. Dr. Roto, he's into both baseball and football, of course. Some really good things happening, by the way, here at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizzapia 17 Sean Guastamacchia, as always, producing this show. And Joe, I know that uh, this time of the year is very popular for the best ball format a format that I can say that I have done many, many times and have had success never in any of them. That's where I'm at. Uh, I I haven't done a lot of them until recently. (laughs) And recently I had mixed success. I was either very bad or very good, which I guess is the point, right? That's it. (laughs) That's exactly what these are. So I did like, I think I did half a dozen of them and I had three that were great and three that were awful. And I mean like embarrassingly bad. That makes you kind of wonder, what am I doing? What's wrong with me? Why was I so bad? But you know, what's good about best ball is to get your draft muscles going a little bit. So that's fun. And I think what's also good about it is you start to see trends. You start to see what's going on because these are drafts where people are putting money into it, where I hate mock draft season, where everyone mocks and people are trying this and trying that and they're trying all these things. But that doesn't help you train. The best thing you can be in a draft is knowledgeable and flexible. You have to have a plan and then be flexible and knowledgeable enough about the, the player pool, and that's why relative position value is so helpful, to be able to flex around when people start to go a certain way or runs start to happen that you can move around this. Now, best ball is intriguing because you're, you know, you can't make any of those moves. You have to just draft and hold everybody, and it is what it is. Um, Nate Dockin, who uh, writes up the uh, the guys in the Black Book on the outfielders profiles, who's a, a team Black Book guy for a couple of years now, he did a great piece about best ball strategy. And first off, fun fact, 2016, these are the thresholds for stolen bases. 25, 36 in 2016, then 25, 27, 2017, 2018, there were only 2,474 stolen bases. And then last year, just 2,280. So the stolen bases is the first thing. And that's kind of going in the weird direction. It's kind of going backwards and people are kind of freaking out. And I feel like the reaction is they're going to try to be too aggressive on them and overpay. And I don't think that's the way to go. And neither does Nate. Nate's talking about these guys like the Malik Smiths of the world, the Ahmed Rosaris of the world, the Elvis Andrews guys who can steal 25 or 30 just because there's less of them you also have to keep in mind there's also less elite guys there's no ricky henderson stealing 100 bases there's no guys stealing 75 bases 50 is like oh my god that's a lot so you don't have to really i think overpay for that now does that mentality make sense to you to basically wait on stolen bases whether it be best ball or even season long roto and take some of these other guys like the they're coming at a better adp 
that have, you know, 25 upside and just get a couple of guys rather than trying to pay a huge premium for a guy like a Trey Turner. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually not the guy that takes that kind of guy like Trey Turner. I, it's man, it's been years, probably 10 years since I've gone down that road. I'm trying to think who I may have had. I may have had Malik Smith a couple of years ago, but but not often. Uh, what I try to do is piece it together. It is not always easy. And the notion that you can just take the top steals guy and he is going to get you the steals you want is obviously a fallacy because that did not work last year for Montessi and it did not work for Trey Turner, who both got hurt. So in general, what I like to do is make sure one of my first two picks or first three picks, Joe, it's usually going to be a hitter, uh, a pitcher, a hitter, and a hitter, usually my first three picks in general. And again, I'll switch up. I've, I've done two pitchers, but if I'm going to do that, one of those guys is stealing 20. Like I, I think it, I think I have to kind of start off with that. I've also not been the guy that um, that attacks that guy that only gets steals. I've tried that a little in the only leagues, in the NL only, the last couple of years. Two years ago, it worked as I got Nimmo. I think Nimmo had double-digit steals. Remember, this is NL only. We're digging deep. So NL only, I'm, you're looking for anybody that could steal 10 bases, and he did. And then this past year, the guy that I went for just to kind of steal some bases, thinking he could get 15, but in, going into the year, a lot of people thought it would be more, was Duggar on San Francisco, and he was a complete bust. So it did not work out yeah, for me last was. year. <laughs> complete bust. Um, it did not work out for me last year. It did work out for me a couple of years ago. And so, um, you know, I, I think every year is different. Every draft is different. But my strategy is almost never to take the guy at the top that just does that one thing. Yeah, well, and, and what Nate does in this piece so well is he's targeting guys with late ADP that can help you in single categories. And <clears throat> some of those guys also batting average guys like D.D. Gregorius can help you. He's going 212 sure. overall, but he can hit 280 for you. <clears throat> and and actually Corey Dickerson going 345 um, overall, hitting 283 last year. There's guys like David Peralta at 246. There's a lot of good dudes out there with good batting averages and late ADPs. So that's a category you, you can look to later. Now, the one thing you can't look to later is that means power pitching and power hitting. Those are two things that, unfortunately, he and I agree with. And this piece really puts it out there that you have to really go after significant upper tier pitching early in best ball. And if you don't, <clears throat> it's going to be very hard for those guys as deep as these leagues are, unless you get really lucky and hit on somebody right. like Dylan Cease comes in and just blows everybody away or something like that, where you hit Paddock and Paddock just really emerges as a guy. It's going to be really difficult to come back from that. So that is one thing you got to pay for those things, got to pay for the strikeouts, pay for the home runs. But there are some guys too in that late power. Hunter Renfro, thirty-four projected home runs, hitting two ninety-six on the ADP. Uh, Austin Riley could hit uh, at least twenty-five home runs again, and that would put him at two thirty-nine on the ADP list. Um, some guys, even even a guy like Michael Chavis, who could absolutely still be that guy in, in twenty-five home runs, seems to have a lot of playing time opportunities between first and second base. ADP 245. So there is some late power out there, but I think what Nate's trying to say and something I agree with that carries over from best ball into your regular season long roto drafts, there is average and there are stolen bases. And those two things are in the most abundance in terms of good return on investment value and where you start to reach for guys that are you know, I, I'm not a Trey Turner guy either. I know people who absolutely love him and they think that's it and it's the world ends with him and begins with him. He's not my guy because I think he does a lot of things very well, but I don't think he does anything great. Yeah, the stolen bases might be great. Okay, maybe. But he's another guy too that's got a checkered injury past. 
where I am not just freaking out. It's a out weird injury, Pat, though. It, it's strange injuries. A yeah, but you injury, know what? So is Kobe Ellsbury's, and it killed his career regardless. Yeah, but, but what, part what, of that injury that is because of his aggressiveness on the base pass. Yeah, like the hands, fingers, yeah. Um, yeah. What was that number, by the way, before we break? What number was that Hunter Renfro home run thing at? What was that? Uh, did you, did the, you say 30 total of Hunter Renfro home runs? 34 is what yeah, they're that's, projecting that's, that's right now for That's That's way too many for that guy. Come on. Yeah, no, is gonna 34 be home runs? No. Isn't Hunter Renfro on Tampa? No, Hunter Renfro is now on... Uh, now I gotta, now, now you're making me second guess. Yeah, he's Hunter on Renfro Tampa. Is, is now on Tampa. Yes, okay. Yeah, he ain't hitting 34 home runs in Tampa. No one's hitting 34 home runs in Tampa. So. Well, it's happened before. Yeah, Carlos Pena hit thirty some home runs <laughs> ten years ago. Joe, <laughs> that did. Yeah, very few, saying, very few, very few guys, guys very few guys get the playing time to do that. They switch, they mix and match guys so often. I'm going to go way under that. I'm going to way under that one. All right, uh, oh, let's take a quick like projections. Yeah, let's take a quick timeout. Um, mystery hitters for 2020. I've got mine. Joe has his. A lot of fantasy baseball in this hour. You guys have been asking for that, so we'll do that for the next 20 minutes here on our program you're listening to fantasy sports today here on the fantasy sports radio network and we will be back in just a couple of minutes don't go back want to be the next daily fantasy millionaire dunk on your nba dfs competition with dailyrodo.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season compete with the pros with dailyrodo.com optimizer and the most accurate projections in nba dfs plus lineup alerts breaking news late swap support and much more save 10 percent on winning nba dfs advice with promo code dunk visit dailyrodo.com backslash dunk to learn more Sports today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia here with you as we kind of move into more of a baseball mode here on the show. Joe is basically full force at this point. I have yet to gravitate around it. Still trying to fight through this uh, NFL end of the season. couple weeks, I'll be all in too. But the one thing that I always find interesting is this time of the year, and, and we'll dive more into average draft position in the NFBC and some of the other websites as well, and try and sort out where you should be taking players in your drafts this year. But Joe, the one thing that I always have a hard time with are certain players, and they fall into a number of categories with me. Some are rookies. Some are players that had much better seasons than I thought that they would have players that had much worse seasons than I thought they would have, players that had great first halves and bad second halves, and you know, conversely, bad first halves and great second halves. And what I would do is I would call them a little bit of a mystery. Now, I, I can honestly say that everyone has an opinion on some players, and that's certainly fine too, but there's no doubt that I'm going to go into 2020. There's certainly a chance that I would take on some of the players that we're going to go over here, but I can't give you a definitive what is going to happen to this player uh, this coming season. I can't do it. And so I put a list together of a few of them, and um, and Joe has a list of a few of his too, and maybe I have a stronger opinion on some of his, and maybe he has a stronger opinion on some of mine. So I'm going to get started, Joe, with arguably the biggest surprise in all of fantasy baseball in 2019, unless you can give me another one. This was the biggest surprise for me, and that was Cattell Marte of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who had such a power surge last year, hit home runs, stealing bases, playing in the infield, playing in the outfield, an all-star 
honestly, at the end of the year, a potential MVP and someone that it appears as though the Diamondbacks are building around. They're not looking to replace him. They're not looking to platoon with him. I mean, they signed a right fielder. They got a star pitcher. Last year, they traded for a pitcher with Miami who could be a number two or number three starter. It looks like the Diamondbacks are rebanking on the year that Marte had last year. Is he a curious player for you at all, Joe, going into this year? Or do you think that uh, that I should have some concern or should have some regression? Do you know who Cattell Marte is? <laughs> uh, well, I'll say this about Cattell Marte. Um, this was a player that I wrote about on Fantrax last year as one of the best ends to 2018 that nobody was talking about. That He really came on strong. There were a couple of guys in that article. One of them was uh, Hyunjin Ryu. One of them was Mike Fires. One of them was Cattell Marte. And I drafted Marte everywhere last year based on that. And he blew my mind and my expectations. Then I turned around and I traded him everywhere because I was terrified of what's the fallout here. Where where are we going with this? Because is this for real? Is this sustainable? And that is always the most difficult thing to do, right? When you do your research, you do your homework, you hit on a player, you're right. And then you're sitting there and it's above your expectations. So what do you what do you do? How do you think about this? And he is much more valuable to me in that infield. You'd rather have him in the infield unless it's a five outfielder league, then you can make the argument, okay, I want him in the outfield. I think, you know, going in Black Book 2, um, Alex Chamberlain did his write-up in the Black Book. I'm sure he's probably a 25, 10, 300 guy. I think that's what you bid on because I think if you bid on what happened last year, I think you're putting yourself in a difficult situation. And I'm surprised ADP-wise he's not higher than he is. I think he's not quite the player he, he was last year. I gotta think last year was an anomaly. There were some other things too as the season went on, a little bit trickier in the splits. But right now, going in terms of ADP, he is in the high 40s, low 40s. I'm sorry, the high 30 range. So he's right around 38, which is the same situation as, say, George Springer and Charlie Blackman. Now, Springer and Blackman have way bigger sample sizes. So you have to really ask yourself to take him in that same company. You have to believe in last year like you believe in the track record of the other guys. And I don't think I'm there yet. Are you? I'm not. I'm not. But when somebody has this kind of skill set, He's somebody that I at least have to entertain that could possibly do it again. Some players take longer to go into their uh, prime. What's interesting? Oh, hell, look at Nelson Cruz. Yeah, what's interesting <laughs> you know, about, about Marte is that they gave him an extension two years ago, and that year I got him. And and I'm like, you know, the Diamondbacks are not going to here, – here's a bad here's a bad take. The Diamondbacks are not going to extend a guy if he's not going to be great, right? And yeah, I was completely wrong. And then all of a sudden, the next year he was great. Got him one year too early. That happens in fantasy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say I was right at all. Because in a redraft league, you draft a player and he stinks and he comes back and he has a great year the next year and you don't have him. You don't get to come back and say, well, I knew a year before. That's just that's not the way that it works. This is the stock market. When you buy a stock that's down and it goes up and you make money, you take credit. If a stock you buy goes down or you sell and then the next day it goes up, you don't get to say, well, I knew two days ago, but I didn't get to cash in on it. That's not the way life works. Well, that and that's why I traded him because I, I was so concerned with, oh, my God, this is way past my expectations. This can't be sustainable. The other thing, too, and this is, again, straight from the Black Book, he's 30 points over his BABIP, which typically means there's going to be some regression there, too. So all signs talk to him regressing and not being able to sustain that, all those deeper stats. But at the same time, we've seen players buck that trend two years in a row. So you got to keep that in mind as well. All right, my second hitter, uh, Joe, let's move on to a, a player that's going into potentially his, his really his first year of big league time, but it's his second year in the big leagues. I'm going to switch up the order as to how I originally thought I wanted to do this, but I want to go to, because somebody asked me a question yesterday, uh, Corey, who always messages me, on Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. Now, you know, Tucker is an interesting case because he's put up these astronomical, and he is an astro, no pun intended, minor league <laughs> numbers, 30 home runs, 30 steals, Springer-like type numbers. Uh, In the regular season last year, in the cup of coffee that he had, it was above average. Two years ago, it was very below average. 
Uh, I'm not sure how much the Astros really love him internally. I think that some people love him. Some people are not sure about him. Here's what I know. I know going into the year that Kyle Tucker should be given an opportunity to get 500 plate appearances, should be given an opportunity over Josh Reddick, who, by the way, has been a great player for a long time. But let's be real. I mean, uh, as a full-time player, Josh Reddick's days, I think, are coming to an end. I don't know what to do with Kyle Tucker in 2020. Kyle Tucker could hit 35 home runs this year, Joe. He could hit five home runs this year. I don't know. Yeah, he's a he's the ultimate boomer bust guy. He's going 138 on fan tracks right now overall. And he's in that same category as guys like Kevin Biggio, guys like Ahmed Rosario, guys who have upside, guys who have shown you moments. But you're still not 100% sure who they are. Even Kyle Schwarber is kind of in that same range, which is interesting because Schwarber had a huge power year. Uh, but looking at Kyle Tucker, I think it really reeks of boomer bust. He's so young at 23 that you don't want to give up on the talent yet. There's some concerns. Okay. What's the question? Um, I mean, the best projections are still going to be short of 30 stolen bases for him. If he has a full season, but I don't think you, I think this is Kyle Tucker for me is not a redraft investment. I'm going to be heavy on. I think this is a great opportunity in dynasty leagues to buy low on him. If people are shopping or looking for draft picks or whatever they're doing, I think it's a great opportunity in keeper leagues. If people, you know, certain number of keepers and someone's got him as dead weight on a bench and you need some upside prospect type guy, Kyle Tucker is exactly the kind of guy you take because he might have just jumped the shark a little bit in some people's minds. And all of a sudden he becomes a very viable asset if he does hit and people just didn't want to wait. And he's only 23. So I think this is more of a projectionable player still than a redraft 2020 player. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by this player because we've been waiting on him for years. And I never would have thought two years ago that Alvarez would have been the guy that would have come up. Um, You know, again, I have the Astros here in my backyard, seeing them every single day and seeing these two kids play in spring training and and never thought that Alvarez would be above Tucker. And and he clearly is at this point, no doubt about that. Um, Well, did you ever think Yelich would be the kind of player who would go above Stanton? Uh, never in a million years. No, no. Well, another you know, good example. Crazy things happen. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's why it's that's why it's some of this is a, uh, a is a guessing game for sure. All right, uh, let's do one more here. Let's go to Andrew Benatendi, Joe of the Boston Red Sox, a potential MVP candidate two years ago, a World Series champion two years ago, and like a lot of the Red Sox, and this is what I want to make sure I mention, like a lot of the Red Sox in 2019, they didn't repeat a lot from 2018. JD Martinez did. Betts was a little bit down. Benatendi was very down from where he was last year. So this is basically a bet on Ben Attendee. If you take him in fantasy, you're either betting on his 18 uh, or you're betting against his 19. It's just like one of the other here. And I'm not sure which way to go. I don't know if he is the MVP kid that we saw two years ago. Uh, I would buy low on him probably, but I am, cannot say with certainty that it is the season that he had in 2018. That's repeatable in 2020. But do you think Joe, it's just simply all the Red Sox had the down year last year? Well, all the Red Sox did not have a down year last year because because Mookie had a good year and then JD Davis, uh, JD Martinez have a, had a good year. And uh, last time I checked, Raphael Devers and Bogarts had great year. I mean, how good was Devers last year? So I think this is a matter of in a year where you have more home runs hit than any other year. How did Ben attending just at 13? That's a giant red flag to me. This is a player I'm staying away from because if you're selling me on a 15, 15, 270 season. Well, hell, I can get that other places that don't have the name Andrew Benatendi attached to it because I do think because he's a Red Sox, there's still a fair amount of buzz around him or fair amount of hype or still amount of, of publicity because he's a name and he's a name because he plays in a high profile organization. You can find a 15-15 player who's cheaper than Benatendi in the draft. Um, I look at this and uh, Benatendi was never a guy that I thought was going to be a superstar when I watched him play. I always thought he would be a nice player. And I felt like because he played in Boston, everybody wanted to make him a star. And because he was a young player in Boston, everybody overrated him. 
And it was kind of to his fantasy detriment because you look at the value now of where he is, and I look at Ben Attendee as he's a filler. He's that kind of guy. He's a serviceable outfielder. Would I rather have him or Willie Calhoun? I'll take Willie Calhoun. I think that guy's got way more upside for way more power. So give me that. I think those are the kind of guys you're talking in that same range. So that's my feeling on Ben Attendee. So I'm out on him this year, too, because I just don't think you want to pay the price to find out. I don't think at the end of the day he's better than what he's shown. Joe has some players that he's unsure of in 2020 on the hitting side. We'll get to them next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We continue our discussion with players that we are uncertain on in 2020. Now, look, we can also use a little bit of an asterisk here. Spring training can come. A guy can hit. Uh, I can be in a clubhouse somewhere. You guys know that that's where I'll be all of February, all of March. No doubt about that. Uh, but uh, there's got to be some players for sure that you're just you just you're on the fence with. You don't know. You need more data. You need more information. And Joe has also compiled a list of players, whether he's in or out is unclear. But as of January, uh, early January 2020, he's unsure on these players. So, Joe, who's your first one? Well, my first one is Jorge Soler. And the most frustrating part about this, because I was president of the Solaire fan club in Chicago for many years. I had the pins. I had the um, I had the hat. I had the jersey. I had everything. And every time I watch this kid play, all I kept thinking of is this guy is going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud. Cubs, please just give him some playing time. Give him consistent playing time. And for whatever reason, the combination of injuries, playing time, consistency, it just never happened. And this was the first year I had zero shares. So for all the Kettle Marte shares that I had and then sold off <laughs> midseason because I was terrified, zero shares of Jorge Soler. And to watch him go and do what he did was absolutely stunning. I mean, the guy had a 48 home run season here. I mean, that is incredible. 95 runs, 117 RBI, and he increased his contact rate, which was really impressive. I mean, to go from 5.1 to 69, <laughs> that's a pretty big, massive jump there. Uh, the credence to the massive uh, 21 uh, 28 home run percentage to fly ball percentage there. Everything just clicked. Now, sometimes certain guys get into an organization and some instruction clicks with them. And I wonder if it's the same kind of instruction that Whit Merrifield got in that organization that went from being kind of a middling player to, oh my gosh, Whit Merrifield had a 200 hit season. Every, I think everybody doesn't realize that Whit Merrifield had a hundred runs and 200 hits last year. Nobody seems to care. Uh, but Jorge Soler, this is a dude where I look at the power and I go, oh my God, I want to buy in. He's everything I thought he would be, but I'm still afraid should I be afraid, Craig, or do you think Jorge Soler has finally turned the corner and maybe he is the next Nelson Cruz late bloomer? Boy, that's a great, great one right here. Um, because, you know, there's a couple of schools of thought here. And that is, is that the comparison that I would make that uh, to a guy like this that kind of busted out on the scene out of nowhere, but kept it going, that we had these same conversations about in fantasy four years ago. I know what you're going to say. I know exactly the guy. Jose Batista. No. No. Oh, wow. I thought no. for sure that's where you were going. Okay. No, but, but no, but that's a good that's a good one from years ago. That's the, you can you can definitely put him into that same conversation except right? the guy that everybody thought was going to be a stud and never was and then all of a sudden just blew up into Right. Our... And he was good, but he was a really good for a long time. I don't think Soler is going to touch Bautista. Um Joey Gallo is the one. Joey Gallo is the one that that had a big power surge and has maintained it basically whenever and wherever he has been. Uh I am you know, I'm going to say that Soler goes a little bit of a step back. 
but I still think that he is good for 30 home runs. So I think that if you bank on 30, I think you're safe. But I would also say this, to be honest with you. Um, I thought Chris, I never thought Chris Davis would have, of Oakland, even after April, would have like a complete power failure like he did last year, too. It's not always easy to quantify. All right, give me your second one. Well, it's funny because then my second one is like within five spots of ADP and Jorge Soler is right next to Matt Olson, another big power guy that I love. And that's going to be tricky. My next guy is DJ LeMahieu. Man, let me tell you, I, I was out on DJ LeMahieu last year. You go back and you look at the road splits in Colorado, right? And you see he hit in Colorado and away from Colorado. He was not good. No, there was no reason why DJ LeMahieu should have been a thing last year in Yankee Stadium. But he was. Now, Yankee Stadium is a very good hitter park, too. But, I mean it's crazy to think of a player who had a better season. Now, granted, he had 349 Babbitt. He's 31 years old. But I can't believe when we sit back and realize, oh my gosh, what what happened? This guy who had the worst splits, and we always talk about what's going to happen to Nolan Arenado's value when he leaves Colorado. Well, DJ LeMahieu left Colorado, and DJ LeMahieu had a career year. That always looks like an outlier to me. I'm staying away from him, so this will be two years in a row where I am probably out on DJ LeMahieu. But I look at him and I say, okay, the ball's juiced, probably going to be juiced again, would be my guess. Can he hit home runs? Can he hit 26 home runs? I don't know. I don't know if I want to bid on that. Can he hit 20? Maybe. But I think if you bid on 15 and he hits 300, because I do think he's a good hitter in terms of contact, that's always been steady for him. If he gives me 15 home runs, five steals in the infield and hits 300, I think I can live with that. My problem is, I think in auctions especially, he's going to be highly bid up because he's a Yankee, that's because true. you're going to pay that Yankee premium, and that's mm-hmm. enough for me where I stay away from DJ LeMahieu. Is this a player that you believe in what happened with the Yankees, or do you think that is a big-time outlier season? I think he's going to be similar to what he was last year. Of the four guys here, I think that I I, I kind of think that he will have... How about this? Of the four players that's here... That's a big jump in dingers, just saying. I, I'm most confident in this of the four players that we're going to discuss here. Not that he's going to be great, but that he's going to be the most similar. I'm more confident in my ability to analyze that he will be the most similar to what he was last year of the four guys that we mentioned. They all may be better. They all may be worse, but this is one player that I do like. And I think that he is a late bloomer. He came into his own, played in a good park, got it, got an opportunity that he didn't think would happen. I think he'll get more of one this year. And I think he'll be at least 80% of what he was last year. If I drafted him, I wouldn't be worried that I would get that. How about that? Of the four guys here that you mentioned, that's the one. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, it's just so funny too, because they're all clustered in the same ADP, which they're all outside of the top 50 right now. And that tells you something that nobody wants to go all in on any of these guys. Yeah, the next one <laughs> I have zero. All... The next one is one I should have came up with. I, I, I mean, totally clueless on the next one. Yeah, well, totally clueless. But the funny thing is, they're all out of the top 50, but all inside the top 100. So yeah. everybody wants in, but everyone's afraid to go and take a stand. And I think that's very telling. And, and you should pay attention to that. My next one, and classic examples, which is why, you know, the thing I love most about when I write up the players in Black Book is when you get to dive deeper into a season because the worst thing in the lazy fantasies, people look at the stats and go, that's what a player is. All right. Well, he had a 411 slugging percentage in 2018. Up until that, you know, 2019 season, that's who he was. He was a corner guy that didn't hit for power, and I don't want that. You look at the overall numbers, you go, oh my gosh, wow, what a good season Josh Bell had. Everybody remembers the summer where he, I don't know, he's really good at some point. And I remember him just being awesome and he's all star and all this crap, right? But when you dig deeper, he had just 224 with a 761 OPS against left handed pitching. In the second half of the season, he had just 233 with a 780 OPS. Basically, he had an incredible month of May where he had 12 home runs, a 390 batting average, and a 1238 OPS. The guy was out of his mind for an entire 30-day period. That propped up his overall number so much that the other splits I just gave you basically were not even didn't even matter because it made his bottom line look so good. That's how good his May was. 
This is a player that terrifies me in head-to-head because of the streakiness, because of the fact he doesn't hit left-handed pitching well, and because of the fact he bottomed out. Now, in season-long Roto, you want to make a conversation that he could be a guy that still ends up with these numbers? Okay, I'll listen to that. But I don't know about you, Craig. Josh Bell is one of these guys. I would much rather take a shot with Max Muntz, go back to the Reese Hoskins well. Josh Bell, to me, is all the things that you stay away from, and it always reminds Headley year where he had that one glorious month. I don't remember if it was June or in August or whatever it was. And he ever hit 31 home runs that year and he looked fantastic. And then eventually became a Yankee and he just never, ever, ever lived up to the hype. So Josh Bell, are you terrified of him or are you buying into what you saw in the month of May? Yeah, I think I'm, this is one that I may have to disqualify you on. Like you, you basically said that you don't think that he's going to be good. Right. I mean, isn't that? No, I don't. I, I don't think he is. Right. But, but there's then, a part. That, but I, I, I guess, know, but that's not this segment. You, I have to disqualify. I'm so unsure, but I don't know. Right. I understand. I guess I'm so unsure. You've, you've given I'm, strong. I'm you've given sure a strong. I don't know on Solaire. A strong. I don't know on Lemayhu. You've just said that you don't think Bell can repeat it. So you got. I have to disqualify you. We have to move on. Sorry, that's not the name of this game. Okay. All right. You you just said oh, well, that you okay. you, you don't me, think Bell you can. Yeah. And I and I, I thought that this else, was going to be a great discussion because I agree because I don't know what he's going to be either. He was fantastic in the first half. He did the home run derby. He was nothing in the second. Well, half. I did ask you a question. I asked you the question. Do you think? I don't think he can be that player in May for an extended period of time. But he did have a May that was unbelievable, and he finally showed power. Is Do you think this is another guy that gets dealt from the Pirates, and he ends up in a better spot with more line of protection, and he can be that? I, I guess I'm not putting it on me to think that I think he's very confusing. Are you somebody that is confused with him as well? I yes, feel like him. it's trending in that one direction. Yes, I said okay. I was very confused. Yeah, what, because, because, because you again, had at the to end, make it, an investment. It, it's unfair at the end of the season to uh, to take a player and say that because he had one great month, that that doesn't count in a rotisserie league. Now you're playing in a head-to-head points, like you uh, advocate. It's different. Or head-to-head categories, even any head-to-head. It's different, but in a, but we all, all also dealing with roto. And at the end of the year, the roto adds up, and what the numbers are are they are the numbers at the end of the season. Uh, I just don't know that that this is Josh Bell. I have no idea. We're going to find out this year. That's what I would say. Open and shut case. Last one. All right. Last one, Marcus Simeon. And this is another guy who's going 60 overall. So LeMahieu 60. Uh, you got another guy, Solaire, 65, and LeMahieu 68, ADP right now on Fantrax. So uh, I look at Marcus Simeon, and this was another player I really liked. I didn't get enough shares of last year because I just felt like he's a good player that nobody cares about, but an imperfect one. And all of a sudden, he became perfect. 33 home runs, 123 runs, 92 RBI. Oh, my God. Um, you know, there's some other stats you can dig into. And say, okay, well, maybe there's a little bit of a mirage. It's possible. Now, he always had some power. Is this a situation where it's a late bloomer? Or is this a situation where it becomes a career year? And I'm concerned. I I still think that he can be good. I just don't think he's MVP caliber good. And I'm worried that that's going to be the price. Are you worried about that? This is one, again, that is a good one for this discussion. Because he was so far last year above anything that he's ever been. That you wonder, is he now, um, you know, hitting 30 years old and in the peak of his prime because this is what happens to prime players or was last year an outlier? And the answer is we don't know. I mean, his OPS off the charts for where it normally is slugging off the charts, OBP 40 above where he was previously. Uh, So the answer is a very uh, succinct. I don't know on this player, but I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I, I would take him in a draft. Some so of the DJ is the guy of my group that you are most confident in. So Solaire, well, LeMahieu, Bell, Simeon, that's the guy you like, DJ. Uh, I, I don't I don't like DJ more than these others. I like him almost as much. I, I basically believe what I saw last year. I do in LeMahieu. I'm going to go with Solaire in this sure. group as I believe the most. I'm going to go with Solaire because 
I always felt it. And then I just kept getting disappointed. So I'm going to go back to the, Hey, all the work you did was right. It just didn't work out as soon as you wanted it to. So, so there's that guy for me of your grouping earlier. Who was the guy for you that you thought was the most ready, like to be the guy? Um, Ben attendee. You think you still buying in? Okay. Yeah, I would I would go back to the well on Ben Attendee. Yeah, that, that's what I, I just think the Red Sox, it was the perfect storm last year of them going deep into the winter with all these parades and everything else. And I think, um, uh, unfortunately, and I do like Alex Gore very much, and I know him, um, I, I, w- I think that they didn't handle things right in the spring, sitting them throughout the whole entire spring. I think it backfired, not having any of the pitchers throw and taking it too easy. Um, other teams are not taking it easy anymore. You, I don't think you could do that. I think you have to have a good plan but I don't think the plan in place can be just sitting guys all the time. I don't know. It, it, it seemed like it backfired for the Red Sox. All right, uh, we'll be back after this. More Fantasy Sports Today. Don't be back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia here with you. It is a hump day. It is a Wednesday, which means we're getting closer to the football games. But before we do that, I do have to say that it is shocking and stunning to me, Joe, that later today, you'll be making your first ever appearance seeing the Broadway play Hamilton. I, I cannot believe that after <laughs> you, after all of this time, arguably the most popular Broadway show, I mean, of the last 10 years, without a doubt, maybe of all time. And and I and look, I understand that on our salaries, it ain't easy to fork over the kind of money that they're asking for those tickets. But I just thought it was a foregone conclusion, Joe, that you had you would have seen this already. And I I'm have. Not... Oh, you have. <laughs> I have. I'm taking the kiddos now, actually. You see that? So, so there you go. All that build up for nothing. I was confused. I thought that you had never seen it. No, I actually got to see it last January. And uh, I got to tell you, I've seen theater in New York. I've seen theater in Chicago. I've seen theater in London where I went to school. It is the best piece of theater I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's not really close. And I've seen like Patrick Stewart. I've seen like I've seen like the some of the best actors and the best things you'll ever see. And I've been very, very blessed to have seen so much. And and, you know, as a student, even sometimes in London, you could go in, you could see theater very cheap. So I was very, very lucky to always have that as well. So I got to see stuff that, you know, just mind blowing in terms of great performances and great pieces of theater. I'm not a big musical guy. Hamilton. It's an opera. It starts. It's amazing. The story's brilliant. Don't know if you've heard the soundtrack at all. Don't know if you're a theater guy. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding. My daughter was super into it. Well, my daughters are super into it. It's funny because last January, I brought home the soundtrack with me for them. I said, look, I saw the show today. Really enjoy. It was great. Here's the soundtrack. Go crazy. And I didn't think they were going to like it. And they have gone nuts for it, just like you said. And they um, and they're super excited. Gave it to him for Christmas. This is their Christmas present. Take them to see Hamilton and they get a day off from school. I'm father of the year. But, you know, it's like an educational field trip. You get a little American history, you get the whole thing. But I'll tell you what, if, if it travels around, I know it's on tour right now. If if you get a chance to see it, let me tell you, 
it's worth every penny. And I know it's a it's a lot of pennies. It's a lot of pennies. But I got a good deal because it's a Wednesday matinee after the holidays. Oh, good. So good. look at that. It's, you know, instead of, you know, thousands of dollars of ticket, it was much, much less than that. So very lucky. I think since it went on tour, prices came down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, I saw it here in South Florida also. So. That so you and so you have seen the 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 Hamilton. I've I've seen it in New York and I've seen it in South Florida. Oh, look at you! And did you enjoy the Hamilton? Yes, I thought it was great. Right? I mean, an incredible yeah, both of them evening of theater. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just a great, great show. And I hate the theater. Hate it. You know, the older I get, the less I I love. I've always loved films. I've been a film guy always. I like the theater. But you, were a, but you were a theater guy. I was a theater actor for many many years. I love. The theater's like a, you know, as an old love's mind, but I love cinema. I've always been a movie guy. That's always why I got into the business in the first place. But there's something about Hamilton that's just, it's so unique. It's so different. And it's, it doesn't it feel like he sat down and he just wrote it in one sitting, right? It, it, it just, does, it does. It's yeah. crazy. Like, I don't know. Lin Manuel Miranda is a genius. He really, he sat down and he wrote this and it probably took him, I don't know, years to get it. Did you ever see that clip of the first time he ever did it? No. And, uh, no, there's a there's a great clip on the Internet that you'll find amusing because you've seen the show and, and you're familiar with it. But a couple years ago at the White House, they were having some sort of honoring and things like that. And then they asked him, you know, do you have anything you could do? And he said, yes, I do. I'm working on a musical. Actually, it's got American history stuff in it. And he came in and he set up this thing and he told everybody I'm working on this musical. Uh, it's it's a it's basically a hip hop musical about Alexander Hamilton. And everybody laughed. They laughed at him. <laughs> they thought he was a joke. They thought it wasn't serious. And they just made this thing up. And he starts doing the opening song from Hamilton. And people start laughing. And Barack Obama's there. The president's the first lady's there. Everybody's there. And everyone's just like kind of laughing at him as he's going through this. And by the end, they're not laughing. And then I want to say a year later, Michelle and Barack Obama introduced him at the Tonys and said, hey, you know, we were a year ago. He played this this song and now we're going to introduce you to uh, what's up for best uh, musical at the Tonys. And there you go. Talk about full circle. See, if you have a good idea, don't let people laugh at you. Just I keep know. doing it. Totally agree. Totally agree with you. Yeah. So, so well, uh, enjoy that later today. And of course, Joe and I will be back here on the show uh, tomorrow. But first, before we do that, uh, some FanDuel has posted some interesting odds for the remainder of the NFL season and the playoffs. So we thought we would just kind of run through them here as we close out our show today. Let's start off with uh, to eliminate Team X. Okay, so here it is. This is on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Who will eliminate the San Francisco 49ers? Minnesota Vikings plus 230. San Francisco 49ers will win every game plus 320. Green Bay Packers plus 380. Baltimore Ravens plus 490, Kansas City Chiefs plus 800, Seattle plus 850, and then Tennessee and Houston is ridiculous. We're not going to bet that. No, we're not going to do that. I like the Chiefs at 800. I think that's great. Eight to one. I mean, God, don't you love the Chiefs there? I mean, the Chiefs, listen, if there's one team that can beat Baltimore, it's the Chiefs. And I really think if the Chiefs played the 49ers, they have a real good shot there. And Andy Reid's been to the big dance before. It's you know, it's I think it's tough when you're a first time coach in the big dance. Andy Reid's been there, and and Andy Reid has lost there, unfortunately. But he's he's made it there. He's he's a seasoned veteran coach. I don't think the stage would be too big, and I feel like he's got the right quarterback to do it. That's the one that pops to me right away is the Chiefs. 
Uh, is there one for you? Or you, would you kind of go a little safer I would take with the, the Ravens? Ravens. Yeah, yeah, I would take the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that Kansas City's got a great shot if they get that far against Baltimore. I'm on that Kansas City bandwagon right now, man. Yeah, you I, should be. You should be. I think they got a great matchup this week, too. I think, yeah. I think I think I don't know if they'll cover, but I think they're getting to the championship. I mean, I, look, I, I think I think um, I think Tennessee is more likely to beat Baltimore than Houston is to beat Kansas City. I have more faith in in maybe Tennessee pulling a rabbit out of their hat with the way that they play as opposed to Houston. I, I don't give Houston a chance this week against Kansas City. All right. Who will eliminate the Chiefs, Joe? Ravens plus 125, Texans plus 320, 49ers 8 to 1, 800. Uh, and then it gets crazy. Titans 15 to 1, Packers 18 to 1, Seahawks 34 to 1. Vikings would have to get to the Super Bowl and beat the Chiefs 40 to 1. I think I'd go in the opposite end with that with the 49ers on the 8 to 1, the same with the Chiefs. I think that yeah, would be think, the best yeah, play. That's, that's probably the best one. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're not going to make anything out of the Baltimore one. I, I keep looking at the Chiefs and Baltimore and I'm like, okay, who can score with Lamar Jackson? And it's it's Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes. They can they can strike fast, and they can really and that's the thing because Baltimore runs the ball so much and they're so able to eat up clock and it's I think it's really daunting for opposing offenses to sit back and have to wait and wait and wait because they can have these really long drives sometimes the way they can continuously just make first down after first down. So I think you need a team that can score quickly. And Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill can score quickly, so that's the one. That's that one team that really is is a fun matchup there. I can't wait. I, man, do I want that AFC Championship game? Now, now here's one that that I don't get. Here's one I don't understand. You'll have to. Exp- now I'm the betting expert, so I should be able to explain it. Well, I yeah, I was gonna say if I don't, uh, you're don't understand. Right, what's, so what's so, my uh, chance? Okay, yeah. All right. So listen to this one. So this is the um, this is the team to beat. The uh, Green Bay Packers, okay, and, and I don't even want to go any further here because this doesn't make any sense. So the team, the team most likely to beat the Green Bay Packers is Seattle, of course, because they're playing this week, and it's plus one sixty, okay. But if you go and and you go on the FanDuel Sportsbook and you just bet the money line on Seattle to beat Green Bay straight up, it's plus one sixty eight. So why in the world would you bet Seattle? I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Is there a certain thing where you can parlay some of these together? And that's why. Yeah, but just a straight bet. Why would you bet? I that? don't know. I, I don't understand that either. So if uh, I can't explain it. And you can't you're explain getting better. It you're getting better odds just going into the, the game and betting plus 168. Anyway, San Francisco plus 195. There's no value there either. Baltimore eight to one. Minnesota eight and a half to one. Kansas City twelve to one, Houston ninety five to one, Tennessee a hundred to one. Who eliminates the Packers? Seattle. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish they were, but it feels like it's going to be the 49ers. You know, I just it feels like the Packers are going to get a pass. I feel like the Packers always get a pass. All this whole season has been the Packers getting a freaking pass. I feel like. And he's going to get a pass all the they way to the end. Getting NFC great matchups, game. yeah. They they're getting, getting great matchups, but they're also getting teams at the right time. You know, and, and they're getting Seattle at the right time. And I'd love to see Seattle beat them. I, I really would. But I just, I don't know, man. I'm just not excited about the prospects of it. I think the 49ers are going to destroy them if they get them. And I think the 49ers, you know, it's like they just got to get past Minnesota. Just don't overlook the Vikings because Dalvin Cook is a hell of a player. And he's the kind of guy that can wreck a game. And I feel like Dalvin Cook is the only opponent player left that can wreck a game. I don't know if oh, Russell Henry, Wilson, Henry. 
No, no, in the NFC. Oh, the, the NFC. NFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, the NFC. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Russell Wilson's great, but I don't know if they've got the tools to nah, wreck a game. No, it's a different st- – look, I mean, Chris Carson may not be an elite running back. Forget Penny and the other guy. Uh, but Chris Carson may not be an elite running back, but he's a threat. They do right. not. Ha- they do not have a threat. They do not. I mean, Carol is saying all the right things. Lynch cannot run ten yards anymore. I mean, prove me wrong, I guess, but I don't see it. I do not see yeah, it. Dalvin Cook can wreck a game. Yeah, like they got to be yeah. worried about that guy. By the way, um, the 49ers a bigger favorite than what they were a couple days ago. They're up to minus seven and a half now. The line is going up. So mm-hmm. yeah, all the all the home favorites are going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, let's do this one: the winning conference in the Super Bowl. The AFC is minus one fifty, big favorite. NFC plus one twenty six. Do you definitely? I think you do, right? You definitely see the AFC winning. That's your opinion. I do, so I guess I stay away from this. I, I, well, I you could you could take minus one fifty if you want. I, I think Baltimore and and the Chiefs are just the, by far the two best, most complete teams out there too right now. And and I know I, I guess I'm not respecting the 49ers enough. I I don't know. I mean, I've watched a lot of 49er football this year, and they've had some really good moments and some other moments where I just scratch my head. And the one thing about the 49ers that always always come back to is they turn the ball over a ton. And that stuff, sometimes you can get away with in the regular season, but you cannot get away with that in the playoffs. That when that worm turns and that that air goes out of a building, it's tough. It is, it's tough to rebound from that. And they, they've been one of the higher turnover teams uh, all year. And Garoppolo was, has turned over a lot, of, a lot of balls. Not as many as Daniel Jones, but he certainly turned over his fair share. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just I'm worried about that sneaking up in the wrong time and catching them. The Super Bowl MVPs are virtually all quarterbacks, by the way, as we end. Uh, Lamar Jackson, two to one. Mahomes, four and a half to one. Garoppolo, seven and a half to one. Rodgers, 11 to one. Wilson, 24 to one. And then we get wild. Uh, Kittle, 31 to one. Cousins, 31. Watson, 34. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Jones, 41. Tyree Kill. Five. Look, I could just keep going. There's just like a million players here. And um it, it's a huge. Well, Fred, I mean, you know, Fred Warner is seventy to one. You know, like if you're the is. if you're the NFL right now, what are what are you rooting? Are you rooting for the? You want Baltimore in? You want Baltimore in? You want Baltimore in? I think if you get the Chiefs, you're not unhappy. If you get Mahomes, that's fine too. That's fine too. Yeah, that's fine. I think you're good either way in the NFC. But if you're rooting for Aaron Rodgers, if you're the NFL, right? Maybe Russell Wilson. You def. I think the 49ers are your third option. It's still, the, it's still. You know what? I always think about this, and it's still the Super Bowl. People watch no matter what. You know, oh, they I, do. But you know, and I know that there's Super Bowls that are forgettable because you go to the matchups and you're like, man, or the Super Bowls that get more attention because the matchup is hot. And if you're the NFL from a star power standpoint, from a rating standpoint, from a selling the game standpoint, Aaron Rodgers going probably. for his second Super Bowl is probably what you wanted. You want the old guy and the young guy. You want just like you had Brady and and Mahomes last year in the championship game. You had that was a great championship game, and you had the old and the young there, and the old guy won out. And that's a that's a good storyline. That was a highly yeah. rated game. Not that Super Bowl won't be like you said, but I think that's what I they prefer to have Rodgers in that game. Wilson second and the 49ers third. Could be. And they All don't right. want Kirk Cousins. I can tell you that no. much. No, I don't want Kirk Cousins. All right, we'll wrap it up in just a couple minutes with the two-minute drill. Don't go away. (laughs) 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We end the show with the two-minute drill. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? There's going to be some significant punishment going down in these cheating scandals, potentially with the Houston Astros and Boston Red Sox. And I got to tell you, this is something that is fascinating in the sense that you could be potentially losing your general manager. And according to some reports here, maybe even the manager of the Houston Astros, A.J. Hinch. Uh, Astros have done things better than everybody else. Is cheating part of it? I mean, we'll find out from the commissioner. But the bottom line is, is that not only do you not want to see this in the game, but the worst possible scenario is what we talked about earlier in the show. The worst scenario is that in a few years, it comes out that 20 teams were cheating and 20 teams were doing something like this. And the levies and the fines and the suspensions that came down were way too heavy. And these guys ended up paying the price for future teams that really don't end up having to pay one. That'll do for the program. Dr. Roto is up next with full-time fantasy. For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you Thursday at noon. See you.